The reviews are in, and Secrets is a hit. Listeners have described Secrets as priceless information, a personal cheat sheet, and binge-worthy career advice. And Season 3 promises to bring you even more secrets on how to advocate for yourself, how to become a better ally, and how to get that coin. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, put in that work to reach the top of corporate America. And this groundbreaking podcast challenges you, as well as corporate America, to be better and do better. KP and PR will bring you more tips and tricks on how to advance in your career. So fill up those cups and welcome to Season 3. Hey, what's up, Secrets family? Ricky, what's going on today, my brother? Man, although I'm feeling pretty good, I've been over here watching some football with you, KP, man. I've yeah. been over here eating salami and what's that thing you made with that duck stuff? With we, we had some pate today. Some pate. Homemade. Homemade. Man, I don't usually eat that stuff well, but Keith made some pate that was so good I could put this shit on a sandwich. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we're eating some pate, having drank, watching some football, and I'm on strike on the NFL. He got me over here watching it. And charcuterie. You know, yeah, that's yeah, how we yeah, roll yeah, with yeah, secrets. Exactly. That's how we roll. Got me drinking good, eating some banana uh, pudding. pudding. Boy, I'm, man, I, I come over here, y'all, and clock in. That's what I'm doing. I'm over here clocking in. <laughs> but outside of me having a good time, Keith, I'm actually kind of pissed this week. Uh-oh. Yeah, man. You know, we had to do an in-game adjustment to our podcast schedule just to talk about the shit that's on my mind today. Okay. Like, because we have a little schedule of things we're going to talk we about. We do. And I called Keith and I was like, look, man. We got it. I'm feeling it right now, right? And this whole John Gruden thing has been messing with my mind. Here we go, okay? people. Here we go. <laughs> it's been messing with go. my I feel like I'm being asked to fall for the Jedi mind trick over here, man. <laughs> it's Ricky, I hear you. I remember that phone call because you called me. You were pissed. <laughs> you were like, we're going to have to change the schedule. And at the end of the day, we were kind of hoping that everything that's going on in the world, as has been going on in the world in the last two years, will at least put this shit to bed. But we keep on getting these gifts. I'm telling y'all, we ain't trying to do this. We ain't trying to keep talking about certain things. Certain things, but we just had to do it. We're going to have to do it again. We tried. We tried to give some advice during episode 38, that Juneteenth shenanigans mm-hmm. episode. Yep. But people just can't stop it. They can't help themselves, Ricky. It's like catnip. Yeah. So now we're going to have to bring it harder this time. Yeah. And look, and although I'm extremely disturbed by this type of stuff, sadly enough, I'm not surprised. Okay. Amazing. I mean, past performance and history is the best predictor of future behavior. Sure is. And to your point, we seem to never have a shortage of content to talk about. Nope. You're right. And that leads us to today's episode because we are going to bring a little heat today on performative allyship. Right. And as my grandmother used to say, I'm sick and tired of this mess, <laughs> but we still go after yeah. it. Yeah, and, and like they said in color purple, I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of being. And I get it, man. I get it. So in this episode today, we're going to do for you all a solid. Okay, once again, we're going to speak to performative allyship with respect to the recent current events. We will also share some relevant examples of performative allyship in the public and private sector, and they continue to show up on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. 
We will provide some receipts on how promises and commitments were made over the past few years, but the reality may not be equal to the results. Okay. And we will close out with four secrets on what you as an individual and companies can do to stop performative acts. Mm -hmm. And so today we're going to go back to one of those games that we started earlier this season, Ricky. We're going to play that game again. And this time we're going to title it, you know, your performative win. You're performing a bad live win, right? Yep, yep. We'll just stick with the NFL. Because since you brought it up, yep, yep. talking about John Gruden, and that's what set you off in the first place. Exactly. We're just going to use the NFL as an example because they just keep on giving. Yep. So as we think about the NFL, you know you're performing a performative ally when it comes to kneeling. Oh, Lord. We're going to start at kneeling. <laughs> Many of these NFL owners – out of step with the racial activism that's being embraced by all these new generation of players yep. at the end of the day, right? After Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the national anthem in 2016 man, to protest racial injustice, you know, sparking other players in the NFL to also stand up and protest, the league instituted this damn policy prohibiting players from protesting on the field during the national anthem, right? The NFL said that any player who didn't comply would be subject to punishment, mm. right? Four years later, we go through all this George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and everything that's going on, all this social unrest, are now going to take a knee at the beginning of a game, right? Even though they still... Four years later, five years later now, we five seasons through, five years later, they still ain't giving Kaepernick a chance to even come to training camp, try out, do nothing, be in a game. And he took San Francisco to two NFC championships and a Super Bowl. And and we're going to erase his name from history, like from the NFL history. Like, he NFL. didn't really do shit. He was a troublemaker. This is performative. <laughs> we know you are performing while I win. Yeah, absolutely. When now all of a sudden kneeling is in style. Right. But yeah. is it really? Right. Look, now before I jump on the next performative act, I don't want to miss an opportunity to pile on. <laughs> okay? But you can't help so, it. So allegedly, and this is in rapid quotes here, because I want to make sure don't nobody come after secrets, right? Right, Because right. I'm just telling, like, like, again, I keep quoting my friend Devin over here. I ain't telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. Right. Okay? <laughs> so allegedly from the notes and the transcripts, during the 2017 NFL owners meeting, Jerry Jones. Now, Keith, I'm sorry about this, but this is from your beloved Cowboys. You know I hate Jerry Jones. Okay. <laughs> but he gave an impassioned speech explaining why the league should take a stand against kneeling. Okay. And to make it worse, Dan Schneider, owner of the Washington we don't even have a name for now. I call, team. I call them the w, WTFs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. But Dan Snyder, he then chimed in and said, see, Jones gets it. 96% of Americans are for guys standing. Now, I don't know where he got his math no, from. That, but that's a fake receipt right there, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that ain't got no data right. behind now, it. Now, I'm going to pause just for a quick second and let y'all marinate on, on what on that conversation that took place in 96, 
Okay. Now, as you're pausing and you're thinking about it, let's 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 think about when y'all saw Jerry Jones with that spectacle go out with the players on the 50-yard line and kneel, you know, mm. take a knee with people and interlocking their arms. And this was like on either it was either a Monday night or a Thursday night. It was prime time. Yeah, prime time. So everybody got to see it. It was a spectacle. Because right, everybody was watching America's team. Yeah. Everybody look, was watching. And they that. said, man, see now that Jerry Jones, he gets it. Okay, he gets it. Mo- mm. Look, look, the stadium got to be full. Mm. You know, like more jerseys got sold, more tickets got sold. So, so in all the of midst that of stuff. COVID. Okay, so so I'm gonna let you marinate on that. It should be seasoned up pretty good, right? Now let's get to John Gruden. Okay, <laughs> John Gruden. The Raiders and the NFL had the information that they needed beforehand, and they did nothing. Nada. This is what got you hot to begin yeah, with. Yeah, nunca. nunca. Okay, like they did nothing, okay? And here's the ironic thing about the Raiders, okay, the Raiders. Now, I used to be a Raiders fan. Yes. Yeah, so okay, used I used to, to be a Raiders fan. Used to be. Once they left Oakland, I was like, just get your that ass off. Just that leave. You know what I mean? They have always been a trailblazer for equality in the NFL. Like, I'm not even making this shit up. You're not making it okay? up. Okay. Here's some receipts. They had the first Latinx coach in Tom Flores. Okay, who won the Super Bowl also, right? They hired the first black coach in Art Shell. Okay. They had the first female CEO in Amy Trask and currently have the first out active football player in the history of the NFL in Carl Nazib. And this dude, based off all this shits and shenanigans that took place, okay, he had to take a leave of absence due to everything. To just try to get his mind right and try to reconcile. Because this is the organization that he works for and what they've been talking about. Yeah. He had to take a stand he, real quick right. and just like get his mind right. Just take a mental health break. Yeah, absolutely. This is crazy. So so you know you're a performative, like you're a performative, you know, ally when you ain't doing shit. Well, when, when you're doing shit like this and you're not doing anything to, to stop it. To stop it. So the Raiders, they that's that's, that's performative right. allyship. And that's the right. NFL. Raiders and, and NFL. NFL. They holding hands on this. And the NFL keep on giving. Here's another <laughs> performative act, Ricky, around the Trevor Project. Oh, man. And if y'all don't know, the Trevor Project is an anti- is a LGBTQ youth suicide hotline. It's a nonprofit that just helps youth who are struggling so they can call in, you know, talk, process, and make sure that they don't take their lives. NFL did a commercial in support of the Trevor Project. This commercial was called Football is gay. Ain't that about something? Do I need to say anything else? Well, actually, yes. So, what, so when we start looking at the stuff, when was the commercial actually made? So the commercial <laughs> was made in June and Pride Month. Okay, June of, of this past of twenty twenty one. This past year, the Tw- commercial was made. It was released in Pride Month of June. Ain't no damn football going on. Right, right. Ain't nobody seen the commercial. Ain't nobody seen the commercial. When's the first time you saw the commercial? First time I saw the commercial was on Monday Night Football, the day after John Gruden resigns for all of his homophobic, misogynist, racist emails. So if that don't tell you what performative means, because uh, the timeliness of this Trevor Project commercial coming out, you can't really refute You that. can't refute it. <laughs> and the com- I was so pissed. Literally, Kevin and I were sitting there watching this commercial. Football is gay. 
Football is lesbian. Football is trans. Football is all this shit. And, like, and, and you're like, you, we talking about NFL football? NFL? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Y'all need to get out of here. Oh, my God. Y'all need to get out of here. Okay, so check this out. You know you're being performative. You know you're a performative ally when lift every voice and sing. And just so that people are, uh, are understanding what we're talking about, lift every voice and sing. We're talking about the Black National the Anthem. Black National Anthem. Okay? So the kneeling, the Black National Anthem, and Black Lives Matter spray painted on the back of the end zone last year. Okay? All of that type of stuff, right? The Black National Anthem is now seen as cool to sing at the beginning of NFL games. To showcase inclusivity in a league that has 70% of its players who identify as black. <laughs> so so, so are, we, are we singing, uh, like, lift every voice and sing because it's, like, the right thing to do? Or are we trying to, like, keep people calm so they keep working for so it? So they keep working. Because I can tell you that the stadium, the fans in the stadium ain't that way. <laughs> but anyway... Ricky, here's yes. another one. I'm, we all number five. You uh, know you're a performative ally when, mm -hmm. just using the NFL as an example. Yep, yep. When they, again, they did, last year they painted Black Lives Matter in the end zone. Oh, yeah. So this is right four years after all the kneeling, the Black National Anthem, and now they got Black Lives Matter spray painted on the back of the end zone. But at the same time, these dudes, Giving contributions, campaign contributions, six and seven figure checks to the Trump campaign. Yeah. And they firing black coaches left and right over the last yeah. two. You look at the record of how many black coaches they've been hired and fired over the last three to four years since Colin Kaepernick did that, Neil. Come on, man. You better not go <laughs> one game under 500 if you black. Woo! If you black or if you Latinx, because we know right. they're the only two county coaches that's been in the NFL. Right. This is crazy. You ain't got a chance, man. You ain't got a chance. What, what, what they say? What they used to say, like in the uh, uh, on one of them shows. Come on, man. Come on, man. that's right. Better not even let that happen. So check this out. I got I got the last thing that I want to think about here is you know you're a performative ally when hiring Jay Z for the NFL is the cool thing to do. Okay, now now look, the NFL really made headlines with their multi year relationship with Jay Z and Rock Nation to enhance live game experiences, and to amplify the league's social justice efforts. Now, maybe some of our listeners can help us if we're looking at this the wrong way, but the NFL actually amplifying social justice efforts in a positive way is more like an oxymoron. <laughs> you know, at this point, right? No, like, Jay-Z? Like, I mean, Jay -Z, at this on. point, man... I mean, this we're talking like this started in 2019. So in 2021, I can't really tell you what good has been kind of taking place happened? at this point. What's happened? It's just like you put a little shiny black object in front of us yep. to make us look the other way. But this nigga ain't done nothing. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing. nothing at all. Nothing at all. But anyway, we've been fronting on the NFL. I mean, that was six examples in the last year. From the NFL around performative allyship, but we got more. <laughs> <laughs> we got more. And Ricky, one thing that did struck me is like after George Floyd and all the stuff that's been going on, McKinsey actually reported that the Fortune 1000 companies, the 1000 biggest companies in the US, 
made over $200 billion in pledges to support racial equity and racial justice following that heated summer of 2020. For me, I'm just sitting here wondering, where did all that money go? Because I'm (laughs) certainly not seeing a bunch of Black people jumping up and down and claiming how their lives have gotten better over Mm -hmm. the past 12, 15 months. Am I missing something, B.R.? You know, look, I don't think so, because I'm over here just as baffled as you are, okay? (laughs) But I was just reading a report on what really happened to all of these commitments that companies made after George Floyd. We will share some receipts with y'all later, okay? But, and it, you know, I'm thinking about it, and it was a little sickening, actually, when you really think about it. Mm -hmm. Tech companies are already in the spotlight. Already in the news. Already. Jesse Jackson been in their ass. You're right. And then you go and do shit like this, okay? Microsoft made pledges of $929 million that they would commit for racial equity. But they indicated that $875 million of that money was actually allocated to internal commitments. <laughs> that means that it didn't do anything... For what it was, the majority of that didn't do anything what it was supposed to, such as increasing spending on black-owned suppliers. Okay, but but wait, it gets worse. Okay, Facebook announced a staggering 1.1 billion committed to racial equity. Okay, after all it was said and done, 1.1 billion. But reading the fine print, and you call that something. You would see that only actually a hundred million in cash grants and ad credits were given to black creators, nonprofits, and small businesses. Whew. I mean, that's a lot of money. I mean, we're talking about one point one. We're talking about you made some promises and none of that shit took place. The other billion dollars was allocated to black and diverse suppliers, including facilities, construction, and marketing agencies. So they did it all all the they could have been doing this shit beforehand. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Why weren't you doing that beforehand? Yeah. And then putting another $1.1 billion into the community. Man, but, but with the comments themselves, it's over here like, it's like three-card Molly over here, man. They over here like distracting you and talking about something else while they're moving some shit. Now pick the right, now pick the right hat, you right. know, pick the right cone. You're like, oh, it's not under there. Okay, let's keep trying let's again, keep you trying. know. Oh my God. <laughs> It never ends. It never ends. And I know a lot of people always ask us about what does performative allyship look like and what does this really mean? And like the NFL and that recent Trevor Project ad that I was talking about earlier, there are a lot of companies out there that put together these glitzy marketing campaigns for Pride Month or Black History Month or Hispanic Heritage Month. But at the end of the day, they have no real history of support for these communities. And that's really the problem. That is the performative aspect of all of this shit, right? All you got to do, you look at their employee diversity as an example. Mm. They ain't got no BIPOC people in leadership. They got discrimination lawsuits piling up everywhere from people of color. 
But you out here putting all these glitzy ads and stuff about how you support those same communities. Now, look, Keith, we told you we was going we was going to be supportive and we was going to say shit, but we don't want you to hold us accountable. Right. <laughs> OK, well, I said she because it sound good. Right. OK. And there's a total disconnect here. That is the performative aspect of all of this that we're trying to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're trying to get to. Yeah. That's why we're going deep today. We tried it before. It didn't work. Or maybe it did, but we're going harder today. And look, on an individual basis, mm-hmm. okay, because we're talking about the company. So some of you individuals, y'all ain't out the, out the spotlight either, no. okay? But we see this, uh, um, this example all the, uh, all the time. All the time. Okay? When someone uses their one black friend... <laughs> Their one white friend, their their Latinx individual, their AAPI or Uh uh, LGBTQ plus friend. The one. That one that they know. As an example of support for the entire community. Okay? I can't even tell you how harmful this performative allyship is because many times these are the people that need to do the most work, okay? Yes, yes. But on the other hand, some of these people are the same ones who act, uh, that, that act this way, are leading organizations, mm-hmm. okay? Leading people. Yep. And making these statements, yep. okay? Making, these are people who are in charge of livelihoods. Totally. Making the statement. Impacting lives. I.e., you know, if we want to, you know, kind of like make this where everybody can understand it, they writing checks, that they have no intentions of cashing. None. None. <laughs> I'm going to gladly pay you Tuesday <laughs> for, for a hamburger today. For a hamburger today. <laughs> and that kills me. When those people say, one, I have one. I have my black friend. Yeah, yeah. Get out of here. I don't have a racist bone in, in my, my body. body. Ricky, I got one more for you. Uh-oh. I can't. <laughs> we just can't. So, why come? <laughs> Why you know come? it's gonna be good when we start with why come. Why oh, come? What had happened was a why, why come. That's okay, right. <laughs> I'm ready now. So y'all already know. Y'all this listeners know. African American vernacular English. <laughs> <laughs> the A A V A. Why come? They only hire us when things are messed up or the business is non strategic. This is when we get our opportunities. At the end of the day, that is performative. Now, look, KP, we both know, and I agree, but we both know intimately all too well about how that feels and what that looks like. I mean, and look, for for everyone else who may not necessarily be familiar with Keith and, and myself, like in terms of like our stories, let me just let you understand some other stuff. Let's just say Barack Obama becoming president. Yes. It couldn't have been more jacked up than it was when he got it. Racism was over when Barack got elected. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Really? You know, almost, <laughs> you know, even different. Almost every black or Latinx head coach in the NFL. Now, outside of maybe Mike Tomlin, nobody has ever gone to a really good team. Ever. Uh, like, they have always had to jack Like, teams. turn some shit into sugar. Jets, I'm calling you out right now. <laughs> Exactly. And it was something that was worse than them. Or let's just like even kind of translate that over into like corporate America. Okay. Or just about every executive leader that gets promoted to executive VP or even the ranks 
you know, of the C-suite. Look, me and Keith can talk directly about that, but there's a whole bunch of other, you know, listeners out there and examples. That's right. Of the less than 2% who are black are in C-suite positions and less than 10, well, actually it's less than five, who are actually- Leading the company right now. Leading the company or are in that, you know, BIPOC mm-hmm. realm there. Yes. Who who sit in those C-suite roles. Exactly. They, it's almost rare that someone will get a cozy role. It's rare. <laughs> it's rare. We always the sweeper behind the elephant. <laughs> Now you can't use no dustpan. You can't use no dustpan. If you're cleaning out the elevator, you can't use no dustpan. That's right. Put some gloves on and just pick it up. You're gonna need you're gonna need that big industrial sweeper. You're gonna need that one where you don't bend down, you can stand up and you can sweep that. Yeah. Man. Woo. But all this, at the end of the day, I know we've been clowning and joking and being a little serious at the same time, but there is some very big potential negative consequences of all these performative acts. Yep. Right. I mean, look, I look at it like if you if 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 these things continue to happen, I mean, companies will continue to make money and promises will be made with no accountability. Yep. I mean, you can just say whatever you want because it sounds good and you can get people off your ass for a minute, but you really don't have to do anything. Don't have to really do anything because people are like, oh, chase shiny object. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not that bad. He's going to do something. He's going to fix it. They're going to be all right. And at the end of the day, when you look at potential consequences and what you were just talking about, there is really no sustainable progress ever made. Yeah. Right. We're yep. just kind of sitting on the treadmill. We the hamster in the in the wheel. Yeah. Just moving, 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 but nothing's really happening at the end of the day. Yeah. No, I got you you're exactly right. I mean, I think another negative consequence here is we're thinking about it is leaders and organizations continue to get accolades. And in many cases, we've seen it. They get promoted to larger roles. Yes. <laughs> You don't so like you can do all kind of nonsense to get the championship or to get the the stock price up to a certain amount, and but you're not held accountable for like the inequities or the unethical stuff that was held uh, that that took place under your watch. Right, you get promoted to the next thing, and now all of a sudden that's that company's issue. And getting trophies and certificates and all kinds of new contracts, more money, more money for all that stuff, which is crazy. And on an individual level, when you're doing all these performative acts, it actually does continue the harm and trauma for individuals who are part of these different BIPOC communities at the end of the day, right? When you do this stuff and we see it and it continues, it really just continues to perpetuate, you know, our harm, our trauma, Mm -hmm, our mm -hmm. fear, all of those things that go into it. And we feel like then we can't even win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the I think jumping on that just a little bit more, double clicking on it. I mean, we talk about it all the time, the imposter syndrome. Right. I think this is like the final one, right? To, to me, that kind of comes up is the imposter syndrome. You know, continues to be prevalent for bi, bi, bipoc and even female leaders. You know, because they start to question, you know, the motives for why they. Um, are in the roles that they're in or the sincerity of the organization. Mm-hmm. Like there's always that little bit of doubt there. A little bit of doubt. Like little this bit wasn't of because 
you good or you have the learning agility, mm-hmm. it's because of some other shit. Some other shit. That's right. And people pile on because then they say it was affirmative action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They got you there uh-huh. at the same point in time. So the impact of all of this is that racism and all these other isms are still very much alive and mm-hmm. well. And there's really no governing body to kind of enforce accountability. That 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 is like a realistic impact. I mean, yeah. I think I think to that point, like the moral of the story to me is there needs to be forced accountability. Mm-hmm. Forced, okay, yep. like nothing else. Okay, forced accountability. Meaning the same way that we cancel artists and other leaders who don't uphold like the morals, the values, and the ethics that. They are entrusted to do, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. We need to start canceling organizations and corporate leaders who do the same damn thing. Yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, if you know it's going to hurt your wallet, right? you know, like my grandmother said, your pocketbook. Right, <laughs> your pocket, <laughs> pocket, pocketbook. <laughs> when, it, when it mess with your pocketbook, that's when you're going to start kind of paying attention to it. Because that's when, when shit really becomes a problem is when those things start to be you know, impacted, negatively mm-hmm. impacted, we'll say. For sure. And look, look, Keith, I mean, I'm like this, man. At the end of the day, I know we sitting up here talking, we're bringing up stuff, we're talking about things, but sometimes people think we're just making it up, okay? This is that time when, you know, we dig into the books we here and we it. tell we you, do it. like, there's a, there's a, there's always a reason why we're talking about things. And this section of our podcast, we like to refer to as the receipts. The receipts. <laughs> so, Keith, That's just right. start, start hitting with them receipts, just start man. It. Just start it. We got the data. And so, receipt number one, as we all know, the U.S. is rapidly diversifying. And that scares a lot of people. But the NFL... We're going to start there. Since we got in their drawers at the beginning, I'm going to start with the NFL now with the receipt, right? Yeah, and, and we talk about receipts, <laughs> talking about like what's performative versus what's reality. What's reality. <laughs> the NFL is still overwhelmingly run by white men. Mm. And earlier this year, the USA Today uh, reported that of the 327 full-time coaches and general managers positions that they have been hired in the NFL since 1990, 327 since mm-hmm. 1990, four coaches and general managers, only 40 were black and brown, black and brown, <laughs> while 70% of the players are black. Mm. The NFL has increasingly become identified with politically conservative white values. One report actually found that NFL owners' campaign donations to the 2020 election cycle went nearly 9 to 1 to Republicans, including former President Donald Trump. Now, again, this doesn't take me, like, my my opinion or yours. This is a receipt. This is the facts. You, you, can read, you can read the receipt and process it however you want. However you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Only 10% over the last 30 years been hired. Yeah. Nine to one campaign contributions to Republicans. If that ain't a receipt, I don't know what is. Okay. Receipt number two, a new report by the Philanthropic Initiative for Racial Equality, or excuse me, Racial Equity, found that only 6% of funds deployed in 2020, 6%, went towards causes committed to addressing the racial tensions of our era. Furthermore, of that 6%, only 1% went to went towards racial justice. Specifically, 
organizations and individuals that are actually building power and infrastructure in communities of color. Okay. Process that. Mm-hmm. Investing in the latter is critical to creating comprehensive change. The other 5% went towards racial equity work, defined as programs and projects that focus on acknowledging and responding to racial differences in social outcomes. Hmm. So, so first off, just 6% went towards that. And then of that, 94%, none of it even <laughs> went towards like building the capacity right, right. to actually fight the issue. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. went towards shining shit. Yeah. That's yeah. basically what that just said. Yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> Which is crazy. Mm. And we wonder why things don't change. And that same report, receipt number three, showed that even with the increased intention, attention to the impact and importance of Black-led organizations, especially since 2004 with the Ferguson uprising with mm-hmm. Michael Brown and the growing focus on Black Lives Matter, all of all the funding directed towards black communities, the percentage awarded for grassroots organizing over the last three to four years never exceeded 2%. Ooh, painful. <laughs> so we see <laughs> there's more attention paid to that, but there's no dollars going to it. Right. And likewise, even after the global attention to the activism at Standing Rock, the percentage of funding for indigenous communities for grassroots organizing never exceeded 1.5 percent. So when we talk about BIPOC, the first part of BIPOC is black. Yeah. And indigenous. Yeah. These are the people who have been screwed. Disenfranchised the most. (laughs) And we got two percent and one and a half percent going to our communities. For philanthropic efforts. Man, three card Molly. <laughs> I tried to tell you, man, over here doing the, the, the shell game over here on you. Look, receipt number four. And and look, I know we're wearing this report out today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, but one final finding and receipt, okay, shows that contrary to recent claims for conservative strategists that claim white nonprofits are being hurt being disadvantaged by the increasing focus on racial equity issues, more than a third of the top 20 racial equity grant recipients from 2015 through 2018, okay, are organizations that were launched and driven by white businesses, uh, well, excuse me, business leaders advancing their theories of change for black and brown communities. (laughs) (laughs) You can't. You can't help but laugh. Nah, and, and you really can't make the shit up. I love like, it. like I love we're, we're like we're 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 reading from to you the receipts. The receipts. And trust me, this is just this is just what uh, four receipts that four we receipts. found. That's right. There was a lot more. It was a whole bunch to choose from. That's right. <laughs> So, <laughs> and the part that got me on that one is their theory of change for the black and brown communities. I love that. Exactly. That was good for me. So, so, so look, Keith, we don't, we don't spent a lot of time talking about the receipts, man. I mean, I, like what we're going to do now is kind of just focus on the secrets. Okay. Cause we didn't, we, we could keep telling you about everything that's wrong. Let's just talk about how to fix it. Yes. Okay. So today we'll provide four secrets on what you and companies can do to just stop the performative acts. Yep. Secret number one, decenter yourself. Secret number two, 
Stop talking about it and be about it. Mm-hmm. Number three, share your privilege and power. And finally, secret number four, take personal risks. So, Keith, if you can, let's talk about secret number one. Secret number one, decenter yourself. And this may be a new concept for a lot of people out there, but this is really, let me just put it this way. If you find yourself responding to criticism or responding to advice, of putting out some kind of report card by pointing out all the things that you are doing, then you're centering yourself, hmm. right? Because <clears throat> now it's about you. You're trying yeah. to prove what you've been doing instead of doing <laughs> right, <laughs> at the right. end of the day. Yeah. So you're making this about you when it should be about the community that you're purporting to support. And the best thing you can do is call out how you've actually contributed to and benefited from the current state. And what's going on, right? Transparency. Right? Then you can acknowledge that there's more to be done because we ain't done yet. You can't be claiming victory. And that's <laughs> what happens when you start to center yourself. You claiming victory because you're trying to prove all the shit that you've done that's so spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. right? <laughs> look at me. Man, would you, would you look at me? Would you look at would me? Would you look at me? Boy, right. Look, look at what, what I did. Man, look what give I did. Give me a gold did. star. Yeah, yeah, give, me, give me a gold star. Look, look at my effort. Look at my effort. Effort. <laughs> if I, you know, sh- you got to show really at the end of the day, instead of considering yourself, actually show how you've empowered these communities uh, to act in their own best interest at the end of the day. That's really how you dissenter yourself. That That's huge. I, that's huge. And I know how we simplified it. And right. this is going to be hard for a lot of people. To this, do. this is the this is the work. Because I'm so used to being like in the center. Of in things. the center. About and you can't help yourself. When it's when it's a, that checkbox shit. When a person tell you a story about how was that weekend. Yeah, but what, what I did. Let me what tell you I about mine. When they one up you, right. now that made it be about me. Right. Look, secret number two. We talked about it. Stop talking about it and just be about it. Ooh. Okay. Did your grandmama say that to she you? She says, she says, show and prove. <laughs> show and prove. <laughs> it sounds good, baby, but show me. Show you know me. what I'm saying? That's how the black people lie. Show <laughs> it sounds good, baby, but show me. You know, look, as as black people, we talk about this all the time. We don't care about like actually like what you're saying. Don't care. Okay. We don't really care about what you're saying. What, but what we want you to know is that. We're watching everything you do. Mm-hmm. Like, we're in that thinking man's position. Yes. When you say some shit, we sitting there thinking. Leg crossed. Mm-hmm. Hand eyebrow. Up, yeah, eyebrow raised, hand under my chin. You know, so we're, we're over here doing this. We have a finely tuned bullshit meter. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Yes. So we can smell performative acts from a mile away. So when you question us about our lack of enthusiasm for pledges, um, promises and commitments. You know, when you say, hey, can you repost this on your LinkedIn and, you know, this, that, and the other? I just want you to understand that we are actually tired of hearing all of the stuff that you say around this. Mm-hmm. And we just really want to see the results. Mm-hmm. Ricky, we know this bullshit meter. When your mama or your auntie or somebody say, mm-hmm, <laughs> or, mm <laughs> it's a wrap. The bullshit meter on fire. <laughs> yeah, those are the giveaways, though. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Call me, girl. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. Secret number three. You have we have to share our privilege and power again. We all have some position of privilege and power. I don't care what race or anything else that you come from. We all have some sort of privilege and power. But if you're going to be a true ally, you have to learn how to share that, right? We are going to have to learn how to hand the ball off to use an NFL analogy since we only asked today. Don't try to be a savior or think that you have the best solution for the communities that you're hoping to impact. <laughs> right? Give them the ball. Mm-hmm. Give them the money and the other resources and get out of the way at the end of the day. Use your privilege and power to remove barriers, to create opportunities, and to provide provide help when asked. Mm-hmm. And that's the key part of that, when asked. Ain't nobody asking you for shit, (laughs) right? But also provide space to allow for mistakes and also understand that the best solution in your head may not be the best solution for those who are being oppressed. You you didn't check with them first. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you didn't check with them. Let them drive the process. Yeah, I mean, I think, and it's so hard to share the privilege and the power because most who have the power don't want to admit that they have the privilege. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They don't want to admit it. Like, ah, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Well, I had this trust fund and college was paid for. Preacher Ricky over here. And and I graduated in the black versus in the red. Reverend Reverend Robinson. Yeah, but I I ain't going to even jump on that, right? (laughs) Look, secret number four, take personal risk. So to build off what you were just talking about with secret number three, KP, you're going to have to stick your neck out. Yep. Okay. Like you got to like put yourself out there too. solidarity, advocacy, and bravery are the three words you are going to have to store in your personal bag of tricks while strategically building up your muscle. Okay. To flex you know, to flex them when you're in a position to do so. That's true. Okay, because I know it ain't popular maybe not being in the in club mm-hmm. or the in group or being able to stick yourself out there and maybe have your question to the race or to the power structure being questioned. But this is what you're going to have to do. In other words, what I'm really saying is it's going to be important for you as a leader personally or within an organization to put your money where your mouth is and call BS whenever you see a witness performative acts when you're in the room. Mm -hmm. Now, I get it. Like, your seat may be in question after you do this. Right. But if you're not trying to be performative, you got the power and the position. We want you to take that risk. And like Keith said, share your privilege and your power with secret number three. That's right. You're going to be all right. It's yeah. going to feel... You, you, got some, you got some DNA things that over time, when we talked about history being the best predictor of uh, future performance, you have some DNA things yes. that show us over time that you're going to be okay. Even if you put your neck out right now, you got you got some things in your structure yes. that mean you're going to be okay. You're going to be all so right. So you can take a chance and showcase You know your... You can take a personal risk. And showcase your 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 power. Yes, <laughs> you know here That's in right. this situation that superpower. It's going to be fine. And again, these secrets that we share with you today is to help you to be better. 
right? At the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And if you want, you can find more resources on these secrets and the receipts that we share with you today by going to our website, secrets.com, and looking in those show notes that our girl Janelle does for us. So you can be better. <laughs> exactly. And not performative. <laughs> exactly. What they said, when you know better, you can do better. Now, I think y'all know what to do. We just ask you to do it. To do it. That's all we're doing. That's all we do. Now, look, I want to make sure, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, Keith, I, I mean, I know I do this every time and it may, I don't want this to sound performative. Okay. <laughs> I want to make sure that we give a shout out to every one of our listeners and fans out there. We're getting new listeners every day. We get your emails. We respond. We may try to read your comment on here. And for some of y'all who don't, who are a little embarrassed, we ain't trying to put you at your job at risk, but we're going to read some of the comments. You know, but again, I want to give a shout out to all of you all, because again, you make all of this possible. It was like these little conversations that now have us with over 12,000 downloads, you know, and all of these listeners. And we want to make sure that, if you like what we're talking about, just go in there and just write a review on Apple and support us on Patreon. Like this gives us the ability to keep doing what we're doing, but it also gives us an opportunity to talk about what you want us to talk about. Okay, more importantly. So look, we've launched a new update on Patreon. Now you can see us clowning on there and trying to get it ready, you know, here, getting things right. And uh, we're also starting some more behind the scenes content and videos, uh, previous episodes, you know, and interviews for you as well. So again, be part of the family. Don't be on the outside looking in. Come on in here. Come on in. Be part of the Seekers family. We love you. We love you. And Ricky and I, as you already know, we locked in on helping you get in that coin. We want you to get paid at the end of the day. That's why we started Secrets. That's what we're trying to do is to help you understand the tricks and tips and don't fall into those traps that's laid for you in terms of getting your coin and making sure you get your seat at the table. Again, we're always happy to provide coaching advice. You can go to our website, look at our coaching services. That's what we do all weekend long. Yeah, and when you get those co- when you pay for those coaching services, you get our personal contact information. So right. we like, I mean, I can't tell like you last family. week, last week I didn't help with three people yeah. work on like either it was salary negotiations or review, you know, type questions. So we can help you get your money. At the end of the day, the village can only survive if everybody in the village is doing their part. That's right. And we're also happy to craft training modules and things Mm -hmm. like that for your organization. Come in and talk to your ERG, whatever the case may be, just to lift everybody up because that's what we're all about. So, again, check us out on our website for more information. So, look, Keith, now I know... I, I know, you know, I'm kind of laughing about this and this this the this, this second cup of drink. <laughs> D-R-A-N-K. N-K. Is, 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 is light over here. That's right. And we've been on the NFL's ass all day today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's well deserved. They earned the right. They earned the right. For us to, to be, be on the ass. Episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. They earned the right for us they to be on the ass, right? <laughs> but we're going to call an audible. Okay, right now, while I fill up this cup, yes. okay? I'm going to have to make sure that guest room is cool because I'm going I'm to have to lay down for a couple minutes right here. <laughs> but we want to just make sure that we thank all of you all for listening to, you know, listening to Secrets and continuing to support us. And just remember, this one thing is so very important. When we share, you transform. Word, peace. We out. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed yet another gem from KP and PR. 
In fact, one listener said that Secrets makes me smarter every time I listen, and we hope you agree. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, and donate via Patreon. Check us out on the web at www.secrets.com. That's www.c-cretes.com to get more information about our secret services. Until next time, cheers! Cheers!